The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. Our guest today is Subroto Mukherjee, who is the Head of Innovation and Emerging Technology Americas at GlaxoSmithKline Consumer Healthcare. Hi, Subroto. Thank you so much for joining us on AI Today. Hey, thanks, uh, Kathleen and Ron and Cognitica for providing me this opportunity to speak today. Yes, welcome. And we're so excited to have you on our podcast. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners, tell them a little bit about your background and your current role at GSK. Yeah, so uh, just to give you a context of GSK, GSK is a science-led global healthcare company with a special purpose to help people to do more, feel better, live longer. We have three global businesses that research, develop, and manufacture innovative pharmaceutical medicines vaccines, and consumer healthcare products. And I am part of the consumer healthcare division. And I'm currently head of innovation and emerging technology Americas region for consumer healthcare group. My overall role in GSK is to accelerate digital innovation, digital transformation using emerging technology across various business lines, such as marketing, sales, supply chain, and experts. My key activities are incubating the beyond the pill initiatives by exploring new business models and platforms, such as connected devices, part of the Internet of Things, IoT, AI and ML as a service, uh, advanced analytics, such as prescriptive, predictive, conversational, headless commerce, headless CMS. I also lead um, the innovation US Innovation Forum, host innovation panels in GSK, and manage collaborative partnership with Microsoft and Google and startup vendors to onboard emerging technology stack in GSK. Before GSK, I led an enterprise systems consulting practice for Verizon in emerging technologies such as cloud, computer telephone integration, mobile enterprise application development, and Internet of Things. Thank you. Yeah, well, thank you very much. It's a great background, um, rich and all sorts of stuff. And uh, pe- people, you know, obviously know GlaxoSmithKline and probably interact with the products uh, on a regular basis. So you're pretty great. I really like the way that it was introduced as helping make people's lives better, longer, and uh, I forgot what the last better was, but, but, but improving people's Living lives. Longer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, one of the things we have is uh, we are thrilled to have you participate as one of our uh, speakers at our upcoming machine learning lifecycle event that we have running January 26th through 28th, 2021. Of course, everything is online these days. So if you go to mllifecycleconf.com, you'll see the online conference. It's three days dealing with the whole lifecycle of machine learning models. So building, managing, iterating, operations, uh, governance, and security, all the key things, all the key factors that uh, really, really help uh, make machine learning models work. And you're going to be presenting there on on some really cool topics. So without stealing some thunder, maybe giving a little bit of preview for those who are thinking about participating, maybe you could share with our listeners a high level of what you're planning to present at the Machine Learning Lifecycle Conference. Sure. So uh, as everybody know, right, machine learning is becoming a very integral part of your AI 
functionality and uh, everybody wants to democratize machine learning and one of the key things which i do part of my gsk is to start making it more and more democratized uh, and making it as an ml as a service and one of the key functionality or key feature of that is to make sure you are uh, having an ml ops in place uh, just for everyone uh, what is machine learning uh, ml ops is machine learning operations so my presentation will focus key on the key mlops frameworks currently used in organizations to manage the machine learning life cycle it will also focus how organizations need to understand the difference between mlops versus devops and organize the team structure around it organizations have been spending time and resources to ramp up the devops team and now this new mlops is coming to play so an interesting aspect we will discuss is how can we share the devops resources with mlops and what the best synergies can be achieved there so just a quick snapshot for listeners who are new to mlops mlops is is an ml engineering culture and practice that aims at unifying ml system development and ml system operations practicing mlops means that you are advocating for automation and monitoring of all ml system construction steps including integration testing releasing deployment and infrastructure management especially if you are building models that you use supervised or unsupervised learnings algorithms you will need to do the following to have a better model accuracy in production you have to actively monitor your model's quality in production it will let you detect the performance degradation and model staleness that's a very key of any machine learning model and then obviously another very important aspect is retraining the models nowadays with predictive models especially for uh, the epidemic prediction or predictive forecasting of seasonal you need to get constant data a daily or weekly or um, monthly and you have to start capturing and uh, look at the models you have to train the models or retrain the models so this is if you have to do those you have to make sure you have a very well defined mlops pipeline and then obviously continuously you have to experiment with those new implementations to produce the model and that's a key feature i will start uh, discussing in those presentations that's great thank you for that little background and teaser of your talk because i know that our audience is very interested in this at cognolytica we have re- uh, produced a report back i think in march on the uh, ML ops space, and we will be updating that report in early 2021. So stay tuned for that, um, listeners and people that are subscribing to our research, as we will shoot you an email when that's ready. Um, and so, you know, we're just we're really excited for this event, and because I think that it's going to help give people in a you know additional insights on what their machine learning life cycle is supposed to look like, and how other other companies are doing it. Now, I know that, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning are being applied to many industries, including the pharmaceutical industry. So can you share with us some unique use cases that you've seen for AI and ML technology in the pharmaceutical industry? Yes, absolutely, Kathleen. So I think uh, let me just give you a quick uh, high level uh, use cases in general for an AI ML in the pharmaceutical space, and then I will come down to a very specific, unique use case, which I feel they are pretty unique and can be a really uh, game changer in the future. So, if I look at uh, fundamental use cases, the top level for pharma as well as the consumer healthcare, which I belong to, I think the first one comes is disease identification and diagnosis. It can range from identifying for diseases for oncology to COVID to even degeneration in the eyes. Uh, the second one, which is Pretty common and getting popular and more rapidly uh, increasing is digital therapeutics or personalized treatment or even behavior, behavior modification. So typically, this can be used to assist and identify individuals 
to provide an early insight into condition, such as gum condition, for example. And GSK has a pretty successful over-the-counter brands in oral care. Or it can even uh, classify your cutaneous skin disorders, suggest a primary treatment options with over-the-counter medication, and then serve as an ancillary tool to enhance the diagnostic accuracy of clinicians or Im improve educational and clinical decisions made by your child's teacher for behavioral modification or your mental health care professionals or even your medical doctor. The third one is very important at this current pandemic situation is drug discovery and manufacturing. So AI and ML is really tremendously helping initial screening of drug compounds to predict success rate based on biological factors. Typically, when you start any discovery, you will have billions of compounds. Kind of what you do is you try to use data analytics and machine learning to kind of reduce it down to a few millions. And that, that kind of helps you save your time of measuring DNA, RNA quickly. And, and precision medication or even next generation sequencing helps in the, the faster discovery of drugs and even tailored medication for individual patients. The other important factor which uh, I was deeply involved also is predictive forecasting. Now, predicting epidemic, and even one of the key examples in the topic is, is applied to monitoring and predicting epidemic outbreaks or seasonal in illness worldwide for cold and flu, COVID. So I think these are the models being constantly evolving. Obviously, the pandemic threw up the models which we were initially building and many companies were building because of the unexpected nature. But this is something is very important to kind of predict how things are going to flow. Uh, so we are building a global flu predictor or even local Americas-based predictor where we can help us to identify how things are going to flare up uh, in the coming one. And what it does help, it actually helps in planning or, or supply chain to get the inventory at the right time, the right quantity based on the predicted intensity. It also enables GSK as a category leader, the seasonal category, to inform our retailers of timing for the seasonal activation, for distribution, for stock up, for display and secondary support. Another important factor is clinical trials. Now we have been hearing about phase one, phase two and three trials, COVID vaccines being used, right? So I think, first of all, as soon as you are doing the drug drugs discovery or pipelines or vaccines of any of our over-the-counter products, we also have to do a trials. We have to go uh, submit those trial and information back to FDA for approval, right? So. If you look at identifying the right candidates for trial based on history and disease conditions, you have to look at additional attributes. Uh, how do you overlay with infection rates, with demographics, with ethnicity to represent the most impacted? So that is where you collect those data for last three years kind of of, of the specific uh, diseases you're looking at. And then you kind of look at the demographics and try to uh, find out the commonality and then start uh, trying to pick up those subjects for your clinical trials, right? So that is a key other factor. Now, apart from generally healthcare conditions, we see many AIML use cases in digital transformation and pharma and healthcare companies, such as um, marketing technology, ad technology, supply chain, sales, and customer service. Now, if I take a quick snapshot of a couple of uh, breakdown of uh, AI use cases in enterprise-wide, so I'm thinking if machine learning will have say for digital innovation wellness, we can have seasonal model, which I mentioned just now. We can have wellness and self-care, which I also mentioned about uh, digital therapeutics. And in terms of uh, AI and cognitive services, we can do shoppers behavioral uh, science. We are also actively using our sensory data for understanding the consumer's preferences, taste. And then we are pretty, everybody knows about this is chatbots is becoming very uh, uh, famous. And then uh, just now Facebook announced buying a conventional gateway, a conventional commerce chatbot company because healthcare, customer care is becoming now more driven of how virtually you can support and assist at the first level of support. 
And I think that regarding a very specific use case or a unique use case, uh, I would say rather pick up uh, in recent information about uh, DeepMind has cracked a very serious scientific problem that has termed researchers, researchers for a half a century. With this latest program called AlphaFold, the DeepMind research laboratory showed it could predict how proteins fold into a 3D shapes, a fiendishly complex process fundamental to understand the biological machinery of life. Now, what does it provide? Actually, it helps us and the research, research, researchers to tease apart the mechanisms that drive some diseases and pave the way for a future designer medications, right? Be very interesting for folks listening, right? We have we can develop more nutritious crops and green enzymes, and that can break down plastic pollutions. That I think is a very important um, uh, discovery and will be helpful for us in the going forward. Now, another of my favorite, which I'm part of my consumer healthcare research team, uh, is uh, AI in sensory science. Now, AI and ML are wrapping up, ramping up a predictive parameters in foods, beverages, and agriculture and medicine. So typically, we are using sensory properties, such as beyond taste as smell, sound, appearance, and texture, and influencing what we can select to eat or drink. So we are trying to understand that. And based on that, our over-the-counter medications, be it gel, be it gums, be it tablets, we kind of start basically understanding those textures and understanding it. Now, what does it help? It's helping to in the future to leading to a hyper-personalized products for foods, for beverages, medicines, everything. So that's going to be another very important, unique use case I see that's happening towards this space. Yeah, I think that's great. I think one of the other you know, insights here is that this is really, you were talking about medicines and pharma, and it's not just humans, right? <laughs> You're talking also about plants too, and uh, animals yeah, and also the whole ecosystem, you know, we depend on it. People don't, don't think they realize sort of the impact of, of pharmaceuticals across the whole ecosystem. And people start to, to realize the importance of pharmaceuticals when you have things that really shake up you know, the whole society and, of course, you know, the global pandemic. Here we are, uh, 2020, ending 2020, nowhere near how we thought we were when, when we started 2020. It's like we, <laughs> we were expecting, I don't know what we were expecting for 2020, but it certainly wasn't this. And, and the global pandemic has, you know, really shaken up uh, industries as a whole, but especially pharma. You know, there's a lot of attention now. Of course, people think looking at vaccines and, of course, treatments and therapies and all this sort of stuff. They're even thinking about medical devices. We haven't heard so much about ventilators, you know, and now, you know, 2020 was that year. Companies got into that space. So so let's talk a little bit about uh, how AI and machine learning are specifically being put to use uh, in the fight against the pandemic and sort of where AI and machine learning is adding extra value here that perhaps we couldn't have without AI and ML. Yeah, absolutely. Just to add to my previous one, I want to mention that sustainability is again a key factor, as you mentioned, right? Which is uh, our um, green enzymes or nutritious crops or plastic pollution, right? So sustainability is also one of the key factors coming up, very common. And we have been promising to get a better sustainable products. I think many companies are doing that right now. So coming to your um, key point about the global pandemic and pharma and how are you seeing that affect used to fight against pandemic, right? So I think the biggest understanding and biggest uh, lesson learned or uh, from the AI and machine learning is uh, COVID, which is kind of how do we all beat up together COVID? The situation we're all facing is kind of tremendously costing a lot of money as well as human lives, as well as uh, agony around the world. 
So one of the key aspects AI and machine learning is looking at is to tease out COVID's biological secrets to identify the few molecules which will then help end the COVID among the millions and then obviously reduce the time to market drugs, either be discovery, development to clinical trials and final FDA approvals. So if you look at the speed and agility, I know Pfizer and Moderna has been announced. Uh, they are soon getting a final go ahead from US, uh, Canada. Uh, I think UK already has approved it. Canada is, Canada is I think, kind of approved it. So we will start seeing a first, we already saw a first level of vaccination happening in UK and we're going to start seeing soon in US, right? So if you look at the speed and agility and how this was done, it just took 300 days from identifying the coronavirus genome to the first vaccine study, which would have taken years to even develop a one vaccine. So, and typically a drug discovery or drug uh, uh, therapeutic discovery, we call it, is pretty expensive, time-consuming and difficult process and with a low rate of therapeutic discovery. Now, this is all going to change. We are all, uh, it's already changing to the rapid use of the computing power. We, that's again a part of your ML and AI. It's a huge computing power we have, and eventually also learning about more com quantum computing coming to play, but the existing computing power, uh, the gigab gigabytes of data we have, the computing power we have, the GPUs we are using, they're all effectively helping us to find out the use of this um, to solve the problem for COVID, which is uh, we are expecting soon vaccines to get flow in and they have a better one. The other one which I want to mention is medical mining. I think and I want one specific uh, for our listeners from the government space is like there's a U.S. White House call to action to analyze and transform the COVID-19 data into clinical knowledge. And they are partnering with AI research community to understand the novel coronavirus by mining medical literature. Now, this is very critical. Now, if I look at the R&D space in our area to many other groups, uh, medical mining, because the literatures are huge. We have so much of volume of data, so much volume of literature around. How can we spend time to find out the relevant information out of that? So medical mining using natural language processing, which is becoming very common now, is to find out the relevant information use it in a more uh, snapshot way or brief way and then then leverage it out better from there right and another key feature which is very uh, becoming popular right now is imaging right computer vision image processing uh, which is ai cognitive services tools we are using uh, is medical imaging uh, medical imaging companies are claiming a record level of accuracy in detecting the COVID-induced pneumonia for CT scans, despite some concerns from stakeholders or quality of training data. Because typically for any of this to really be giving you excellent results, you need uh, some sort of history on the data. That's called the training data in the AIML world. Uh, we are still able to produce excellent results from CT scan and then related to COVID, related to some uh, identifying the exact reason for those uh, from the scans. So apart from... The drug discovery, we are seeing the trends in healthcare getting expedited due to the COVID as per as, or the insights report I was reading. Now, what are, what are we doing different here, right? We have a more faster, better, and cheaper next generation of MRI and CD scan, which I mentioned just now. Um, instant blood at home rapid testing, because again, AI is being used again by labs to do more faster processing. Uh, telepathology, which is going to be another uh, key feature, is AI and digital slides will be new normal for labs. And nursing home will, to quarantine wards, AI-driven passive monitoring will start taking off. 
Um, so apart from this, I think I want to really point out to our listeners is uh, very important. Everybody knows this now is uh, the impact of the COVID-19 is the impact on supply chain. So I think another initiative which I am seeing in my organization to every organization I'm pretty sure are getting ramping up is how to improve your supply chain uh, fundamentals. How to make it more uh, uh, rapidly agile so that it can handle this kind of pandemic, right? But it has a tremendous impact on our supply chain and manufacturing, be it supply of raw materials, be it distribution of finished goods. Uh, so how does it help? It's all AI and ML is actually helping it to preempt the risks associated with it. Companies are scrambling to rapidly respond to shifting consumer demand. There's a limited supply of some products. I think a lot of our key products, uh, cold and uh, flu products, were out of stock. We are uh, struggling to make them up, ramp up soon. I'm pretty sure with many other companies. Um, and then obviously we have new workplace rules. A lot of companies, a lot of folks cannot go to work. Uh, they are working remotely, and especially in manufacturing space. We have to make sure they are being tested for COVID, right? There has to be uh, support. The support, we cannot have all the folks back in the in the, in the the manufacturing facilities. So how can we do remote assistance to them using uh, cognitive tools? So those things are slowly being, rapidly being put in place and getting up there. And if I look at the couple of key initiatives of planning and uh, of the supply chain, if I say that is planning and forecasting. So uh, I think which is, uh, which I help in onboarding in GSK is, one of the demand sensing tools, uh, which is ML algorithms-based tools, it's uh, the ML algorithms are being programmed to analyze statistics, factor, and historical environmental information, and then produce insights to a patterns or trends. So we are using that in our demand sensing models to augment our planning capability. And then uh, we have to use AI ML models for end-to-end -end visibility of products. Now, well, there's a supply chain product movement happening. There are shut shutdowns happening. There are being closures. There are being uh, like uh, restrictions being put in place, right? How do we make sure the goods are moving around so we can have a visible uh, view of those goods and then look at the external factors that could disturb those trends? And then obviously to expedite our uh, manufacturing, right, which is in warehouse, in stock management, we are using AI-based automation within the warehouse, which is extensive. Every company is doing that right now from mechanical arms that can sort and select handle cargo to software capable of calculating daily stock movements and even automated cleaning robots programmed to work in dynamic environments. I think you've seen a lot of companies are using the manufacturing facilities. Uh, another important fact is chatbots, right? So we have seen a lot of companies are putting in chatbots and we also have in our one of our websites being launched, Voltangel, we have chatbots deployed there to understand um, folks to get the first level of support from our knowledge base. And at the same time, we have uh, adverse event monitoring. If somebody is reporting something, how can we handle adverse events there? Now, uh, there are going to be large, large volumes of queries happening from customers. So AI chatbots can be invaluable resource for liberating employees from routine or repetitive duties and refocusing them on more client-centric tasks. So that's another feature I'm seeing that is all helping out in this COVID scenario at this point of time. Yeah, thank you. That was a lot of great examples. You know, and I know that forecasting is something that we talk about quite often. And we always say, you know, AI 
and machine learning really help with forecasting. So um, I know that you said forecasting and logistics. Uh, those were some really great examples. So I, you know, this has been a very informative podcast, and I hope that this is jazzing up our listeners for your talk at our machine learning lifecycle for AI event, because I know it, I'm definitely getting excited to, to hear you talk more about this. And for our listeners that want to attend that event, um, you can go to mllifecycleconf.com. That's mllifecycleconf.com and make sure to register there. As always, it's free to attend, just like our data for AI Conf was. And this event will be taking place January 26th through 28th, 2021. So um, it's not too late to sign up if you're listening to this in December or January. And then if you're listening to this podcast after the event has wrapped up, still do check it out because we keep the content open for a few months after as well. But I'd like to end this podcast with the question that we ask all of our guests because we always get such a varied uh, response to this. And I love to hear what everybody has to say. So as a final note, what do you believe the future of AI is in general and its application to organizations and beyond? Yeah, so I think, again, it's my viewpoint here that AI is here to stay, is going to expand and scale in a big and very a big way in every aspect of our life. And every organization needs to have a very clear vision of expanding AI ML in the organization and helping them succeed in the marketplace and grow revenues and stay competitive. Any mundane or repetitive tasks now will be automated, right? be it say or no, and an element of AI will always be there. So if we just take a simple example in daily life right now, right? Everybody knows uh, robotic vacuums, iRobots and other, other vacuums are being very getting very much introduced in our life. Uh, robotic assisted surgeries uh, is there. Voice enabled devices, which is Alexa's and Google's Google of the home, Google Voice. If you guys are using, a lot of people are starting using. So huge millions of buyers of that. I think behind the scenes is a lot of cognitive services um, being used. We have driverless cars. Uh, a lot of companies are trying it out we are going to be having drone delivery happenings which is being tested out in certain locations is going to be another popular area a robotic assisted surgery i mentioned just now and uh interacting with more chatbots during the humans in the first and seven second level of interaction and just a quick quick snapshot of robotic surgeries and i attended one of the robotic surgery assisted with medical doctors and how they are planning what's the benefit of them had a lot of good discussion in a panel with them so the robotic surgeries have a 95% success rate overall uh, which you call it right now they are not like uh, robots perform the surgeries but more of ro robotic assisted surgeries the advantage is what is being seen is over the open surgeries and less blood loss and minimally invasive surgeries. Um, to give a quick, um, little different perspective, my son, he watches PBS Kids, Daniel Tiger Neighborhood. And I was very intrigued by that. I was to watch sometimes with him that in the Daniel Tiger, he visits his local stores to libraries and shopping centers in an automated trolley. He just there's a trolley there. He walks and sees a trolley and he goes in and takes a ride on it. So that is, I think, if you see the even animated uh, uh, episodes are depicting the use of near inevitable option of driverless car or trolleys, it's going to happen. It's a pretty interesting uh, feature. I think my kid is excited about it. Um, so I personally think AI in future should not be considered as AI versus uh, human versus machines, which is something being depicted in size five, which is not going to happen right away. But AI should be considered as more of an intelligent, AI is more of a human plus an intelligent, helpful assistant uh, supporting the human at this point of time. But I think at, at while um, after the informing, after 
talking about different things on AI, I just want to give a one quick thought about AI is, which is also becoming quite, uh, picking up the steam is ethical AI. So I know we all were happy with a lot of things being happening. AI ML is being uh, actively pursued, but I think in all of our mind, everyone uh, should consider the ethicalness of AI. And there are concerns being raised. So I think pretty much everybody's aware. Now there's going to be bias. Uh, AI systems can be biased because they are designed to look for patterns in data and favor certain patterns. Uh, liability, AI systems can't be perfect, right? When mistakes are made, uh, who's responsible, right? That's kind of things are being discussed. Security, AI systems advancing. How do we stop bad actors from weaponizing uh, those them, uh, those uh, AI systems? What happens if robots can fight drones? Kind of imagination at this point of time, but uh, not a very immediate things can think about. Uh, human interaction, there's already a decline in person-to-person uh, -person interaction. Um, I know talking to one of my friends, like they were saying, like his his few his son his kids few of the friends were sitting in the same room, they would not chat, they would just text to each other, and I've seen that happening a lot. And these kids uh, become more device uh, dependent, so that's kind of one of the uh, side factors of AI. We should start looking into that. Um, uh, apart from device, I would say, uh, and then I think uh, I think is another is uh, we are obviously sacrificing human social aspect of it. Uh, others, employment, right? A lot of people are scared. Uh, repetitive, repetitive jobs can be, automated, can be automated. They can be replacing our human capital. Uh, but I guess that's where human beings start, right? They can just get to a next level. We have a different ways or new areas to explore and new areas to get there and then start making different directions. And obviously, wealth inequality. Companies that are rich enough to invest in AI will get richer or reducing cost. That's another factor people are seeing. It's up, up there in everywhere in, in articles. But I guess it's it's also an important factor. So I just want to make that point before ending my talk is like, uh, we have a great advantage with AI. We have great advances happening. Uh, at the same time, we have to look at ethical AI to make ourselves be an empathetic human being as part of this. Yeah, Thank ab you. absolutely. Yeah, because, you know, we, we we spend a lot of time talking about ethical AI and transparent AI and responsible, explainable. These concepts yep. are related <laughs> to each other. They all talk about the same thing. It's like if you have a machine that's making decisions or involved in, in really critical activities, you want to be able to trust that system. And also you want to trust the people who put that system into practice, right? It's not it's not just the system. It's like, well, what are what are people's intent? <laughs> so all that really that, goes together. So this is great. I, I have to say, you know, we could be talking to Sabrodo. We could be talking to you for, for hours. And so for those of us who are listening, for those listeners who want to hear more about this and, and, and ask your own questions, because that's the other great thing about these events is that you can ask questions too. It's not just us, you know, and not just you listening. So you should come and attend and participate in our free, uh, event, uh, the machine learning lifecycle event. I know we've repeated it probably more times than you might be interested in, but I'm going to say it again. Uh, you should attend at mllifecycleconf, C-O-N-F dot com. It's January. The live portion of the event is January 28th, 26th through 28th, 2021. And as mentioned, free to attend. Just go to the, the, the site, register. You'll see we're actually adding all the sessions. I don't even know if we've added Subaru's session yet, but it's going to be added. By the time you hear this podcast, it'll be up there, and you'll see all the speakers.
pictures and all their faces, and you can see the uh, schedule for the uh, event as well. And uh, yeah, as mentioned, you know, be part of the conversation. Join us for that event. But uh, as for this podcast, I think this was fantastic. So let's give Sobert a round of applause here. A big thank you for having you as a guest and sharing your insights with our AI Today podcast listeners. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. And listeners, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. As always, we'll post any articles or concepts discussed in the show notes, as well as a link to the upcoming event. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter, and more please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica, all rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.